You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. We are the Unpack Podcast from AcmePackingCompany.com and SB Nation on Twitter at the Unpack Pod on Instagram for no dang reason at the Unpack Pod. Patreon.com slash the Unpack Pod. Like, subscribe. And if you really want to do us a solid, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. I am Zach Rapport at Zach Rapport on Twitter in Albuquerque, New Mexico. Join today on this post holiday, I guess, well, we're between holidays, really. Um, anyway, sure Justice Mosqueda. <laughs> and where where are you today? Are you at home? Yeah, I'm back. I'm back in Portland, Oregon. Uh, we made it. We made it back yesterday before uh, that. You know, whenever you get snowed in, you get that situation where it's like, I want to drive on the snow before it melts and then ice is over because yeah. snow snow's fake. Ice is real. Um, so we ended up making the drive last night. So I, I'm back settled in at home. That's good. That's a that's a take right there. Snow is fake. Ice is real. <laughs> I'll drive through the snow whenever. The ice that that's a whole lot less fun. Snow is fake. Birds are fake. What's the shirt you were just telling me you got? <laughs> yeah, my girlfriend's family got me a birds aren't real shirt that says "Flies it lies," which is just great. Between that and then uh, I got a big dog shirt for my birthday, which is like after Thanksgiving. Um, that's a, like a big dog t-shirt. You remember the big dog brand? Oh yeah. But, but it's just in Japanese. It's just the big dog <laughs> logo, but in Japanese instead of saying big dog. So great stuff. Yeah. That was, uh, for me, I'm 37 years old. So when I was a kid, big, whenever you saw a big dog, you were, you were just like, oh, they shop at Kohl's. That was like, <laughs> that was the indicator that they shopped at Kohl's. We shopped at Kohl's. That's what I'm trying to say. We were a Kohl's family. <laughs> Once a year before school, go to Kohl's, try to spend as little money as possible on as many clothing items as possible. Really off to a great, uh, a great start here on the pod, a little, little uh, fashion talk. Uh, but why don't we talk football 24-22, the Packers over the Browns, the, uh, the Baker Mayfield-led Browns took, I believe I heard he took his own private jet to make it to the game on time or like he chartered a private jet. I don't think he has his own plane, but uh, because of COVID, he didn't travel with the team, but he was ready to play. Um, or was he uh, before we get into to note nugs? I don't know uh, if you have a take on this. Is Baker Mayfield bad? Is he not a good quarterback or is he just hurt or both? I well, <laughs> I think it's both. Um, he certainly struggled. I think, you know, the, the leaking that, you know, the team is interested in trading for Deshaun Watson this upcoming season is Eesh. something that's worth noting. I mean, that just came out in the past couple of days. I mean, the Cleveland Browns defenders who were out for COVID, you know, et cetera, during the game were tweeting out, you know, probably not the greatest things about Baker. A lot of them saying, like, run the damn ball and stuff like that. Um, does not seem like he has a lot of fans in that locker room. I know a lot of people jumped on Odell Beckham Jr. Odell has certainly done 
things to uh, not endear him with the general NFL fan base, right? Um, he certainly made some mistakes. You know, whenever someone punches a kicking net, you're never like, that guy's got it all together, yeah. right? So <laughs> he's an easy target. But his father wasn't the only person, uh, you know, who who, who uh, parented a Cleveland Brown who has gone to social media and said not great things about Baker Mayfield during a game. Yeah. So it doesn't seem like, you know, the dads aren't happy. The defenders aren't happy. Uh, Odell wasn't happy on the offensive side. But it doesn't leave a lot of people uh, left in the Browns organization who really think Baker is like the guy. So I don't know. I mean, he's coming at the end of his contract. You're going to have to pick up that fifth-year option, um, which is, you know, a huge amount. Yeah. Um, and then from there, moving forward, I mean, you're going to have to tag him and give him, like, crazy money in a single year or just let him walk. Um, so I kind of feel like he's probably, you know, collision course for the next kind of Kirk Cousins situation unless – they trade for a quarterback and, you know, let's say like they do get Watson, you know, beyond, <laughs> I guess, all of his allegations and stuff like the, fa- the fact that he would even be able to play a game seems unlikely at this point. But if they did somehow end up getting a swap and Baker goes back to Texas and the Texans are just fine, you know, having Baker Mayfield as their starting quarterback. I think that's what it's going to look like. I don't think it's going to be the Cleveland Browns saying this is our guy. I mean, they seem like. They have a good handle on the cap. They have a good handle on how they're going to build for the future. I, I just don't know if you know, giving Baker Mayfield $40, $50 million moving forward is the, the way that you want to build your franchise. Yeah. Yeah, I was going uh, back and forth a little bit with some people on Twitter after the game because um, that final interception that he threw, uh, everyone's got a take on on whether or not it should have been defensive pass interference. And, and I kind of thought it was one of those, like, yeah, you could call it, but maybe it's a let him play situation. The the offensive player is kind of pushing his arm. Anyway, going back and forth with some people, and I just said, look, the, the real difference in this game was that Baker Mayfield sucked, right? It didn't all come down to this play. He threw four interceptions. Not, yes. not a good day for the quarterback. Yeah, I mean, even look at that two-minute drive, you know, before that interception. They were running the ball. Yeah. Right? That's I mean, all they had to do. They the ball down the field. Yeah. Yeah. So, it, ba- Baker is not you know, the cog that makes that engine go. Yeah. And I think that's a very big problem once you're getting to the number, uh, the, the salary that like NFL quarterbacks are getting paid now where, you know, floodgates are open. Once Dak got what he got, everyone's going to get that. Um, who's going to be retained and teams are going to have to start making decisions now about like, do we actually want to pay Baker Mayfield $45 million per year and give him all this money guaranteed when we kind of don't think that he's going to be the guy or would we rather let him walk and just like do the Teddy Bridgewater, James Winston thing, yeah. you know? I mean, that's kind of what teams are having to do right now. Yeah. Yeah. There's definitely an argument for you. You, you could be as good with another quarterback who's not quite as good as Baker, but you just know that you're a running team. <laughs> You got someone like well. The other the, the other thing too, you could get better at quarterback. You know, look at the Rams. Look at the Eagles. They yeah. both basically traded away quarterbacks and gave away draft picks to also trade away those quarterbacks because they were trying to get out of their uh, cap situations. Right. Yeah. Those are both playoff teams this year. Yep. So, yep. <laughs> so you know, I mean, it's it's hard to say that they were wrong. So I, I think we're finally getting to that breaking point that everyone I think was kind of projecting you know when when everyone gets paid and Kirk Cousins is the only quarterback to hit free agency I think everyone knows like hey this bubble is going to pop at some point um I, I think we're finally getting to that point where a lot of teams are 
you know, in year three plus of these, you know, first wave of contracts since Kirk Cousins, and they're realizing like this is just not sustainable, and yeah. we we have to make a change. Yeah. Speaking of Kirk Cousins, Vikings, woof. All right, let's. <laughs> we could go so many directions, but let's wrap up uh, this game here against the Browns with notable nuggets. Hashtag note nugs. Tweet at us at the AP, uh, Unpack Pod. Ooh, the first time that's ever happened on the air. Accidentally let the old name slip at the Unpack Pod on Twitter after every game with your bite-sized takeaways. And um, I'm gonna go. You know, it was a Saturday game, holiday. A lot of stuff has happened. A lot of booze has been consumed and food has been overeaten since the game. So I'm not gonna go super specific. I'm gonna go more general with my with my note nugs. Something that I noticed. Um, after this game, and I'll start by saying that I keep telling everyone out there, I keep telling y'all to enjoy the football because a lot of teams stink. A lot of teams stink lots of the time. And the Packers right now, and for an unknown period of time into the future, are not one of those teams. They're 12 and three. They're in the driver's seat right now um, for the one seed. Uh, division champs again just beat the Browns. and And yet, as the playoffs get closer, I feel like more and more fans come out of the woodwork, and I'm talking specifically on Twitter right now, but um, they come out of the woodwork with the old, like, well, it's going to hurt when they lose in the playoffs, or this team is giving me whiffs of, you know, insert some other Packers team that lost in the playoffs. Um, and on some level, I get it. Like, you want to preemptively protect yourself from heartache and and emotional uh, distress, but you know what? Being a sports fan is about being disappointed nearly every year, <laughs> but having moments of joy along the way. And who knows? Maybe they go to the Super Bowl. Maybe they win it all. Uh, probably not, but maybe. My point is that I guess if if you're one of those people who's already like wringing your hands to figure out which non Super Bowl Packers team you want to compare this team to, then just stop watching. Like, why are you watching? What do you get out of it? What do you get out of tuning in every week, watching winning football, which you are blessed to watch, and then complaining about how they're just going to lose on Twitter? Meanwhile, I don't know about you, Justice, but I'm cool just kind of being happy for a little while <laughs> watching this team. Yeah. I mean, the Packers are the Super Bowl favorites in the NFC. Um, I mean, how many more times is this going to come around? You know, the other thing, too, I think this team is a little bit better than some of the teams we've seen before. I mean, that like 2010, 2011 stretch, and then probably 2014 are the only other teams that I think can kind of compete with this team. Um, you know, they've made it to NFC championship games before, but I think, you know, they, the team often, you know, lacked toughness in both the run game, you know, defensively and offensively. Yeah. And then the other thing too, is like, you look at like the 2016 team that played Atlanta, it's like, they couldn't cover anyone. We knew going into that game, they were going to lose. It was going to be Julio going crazy on whoever lined up across him because they didn't have any cornerbacks. So, I mean, this team has a chance. And, like, you're talking about this is a league that has 32 teams as of right now. Um, only one of them is going to win. You figure in your lifetime, your team is probably going to, you know, average two. This team's got a shot. Yeah. So, I, I don't understand being down on this team. I'm really excited about this team moving forward. You know, the matchup against Tampa is the one that I'm really worried about, but it's inevitable and I think they can match up against them. So yeah. I think they have a good shot at beating any team um, other than Tampa. And, you know, Tampa is more of a coin flip to me. So I'm, I'm more excited to see, you know, how, how this plays out throughout the season. Hopefully these guys can stay healthy because now they got 12 guys on the uh, COVID reserve list, yep. you know, beyond just the injuries. 
their depth chart is getting decimated a little bit outside linebacker. It's Preston Smith, Rashawn Gary, and Jonathan Garvin. That's all they got. And that's including the practice squad too. So as long as they could stay healthy, um, I, I, I don't see why they couldn't match up, you know, talent wise and skill wise and schematic wise uh, with other French or with other teams. Yeah. And I, I won't say it's a good thing, but all the teams are dealing with this, with this COVID nonsense right now. So it's, it, it, it's at least an equalizer in that way. Most teams are having to figure out last minute anywhere from like five to 15 players to, to get on the field as, as substitutions. The, the saints on, we're recording this on a Tuesday yesterday, the saints moved up like literally their entire practice. Month yeah. To, to the, to the game roster, to be able to play that Monday night game. Got a support Ian book, man. Oh, good. Uh, he didn't look like an NFL player. He looked as bad as I thought it was going to be. Yeah. And he threw that pick six early. They got three points on the board total. I think Miami didn't even score a touchdown until it was already like 17-3. Yeah. Um, not what you want to see. No. The, the big thing is like, so Rodgers, right? Rodgers can't get tested until bef- right before the Super Bowl week. So at the very least, he's going to be out there, you know, in, until then, until at least after the, play, the uh, Pro Bowl. There's going to be some NFL team that is going to have to play like a third string quarterback in uh, in the playoffs. Yeah, and that's absolutely it's going to be a gross product. I mean, I think the NFL's product on the field and it's there's nothing they can do about it, really. I mean, I guess to a certain extent, they're regressing their uh, testing protocol a little bit. So you yeah. can say that they can control that, you know, making guys only sit out for five days instead of 10 days. And, you know, they can come back and maybe spread it in the building because it's just like basically honor system. Now, yeah. Um, in terms of like the symptoms, but I mean, there's only so much you can do right now. I mean, it's spreading through the country. Look at the numbers. I mean, it's not even spreading through the country; it's spreading worldwide. So, there's not too much blame to go around. I would yeah. Think. CDC now following the uh, the NFL's lead there, <laughs> cutting yeah, the down C- the time. CDC to five days. says you have to give me a belly rub yeah. if uh, <laughs> I'm feeling sick, and that it's time to die to yeah. serve economy. CDC Other than that, says you can you can have a little socialization as a treat. It's <laughs> <laughs> really quickly. I want to um, go back before we uh, before it gets buried. You you mentioned some of the kind of past Packers teams and and talking about how you feel positively. You mentioned the the 2014 team, and I think a lot of Packers might Packers fans listening to this might have had a uh, a little mini heart attack there. But I wanted to highlight that I think a big difference between those two teams is that this is a better coached team, even at that point in the McCarthy era. This is it's just a better coached team all around. Yeah, I mean, hopefully, a you know, a holder doesn't throw a touchdown. Hopefully, someone doesn't muff a onside kick attempt. Um, Julius Peppers doesn't tell Haha Clint Dix to go down with the ball on his birthday because he thinks the game is sealed away. I mean, there are a lot of moments in that game. A lot of moments. I, it should it should also be noted, Dom Capers basically was not tested at all until that fourth quarter when they were like, "Hey, we're going to run read option," and then Dom Capers was like. Oh man, oops! It's happening. It is happening. <laughs> and then they got that big. They they ran read option, and then they ran a play action shot off a of read option in overtime. And it was like, yep, that's it. I knew I knew that's how it was going to end. I don't know why I tricked myself into thinking that's not how it was going to end. So hopefully, I mean, there's no mobile quarterbacks unless you know Trey Lance. You know, potentially might start for San Francisco now. I guess uh, Jalen Hurts for for the Philadelphia Eagles. We haven't really seen you know, an option heavy offense against this Green Bay Packers defense. But yeah. I don't think that that's kind of their issue with how, you know, their edges are set up. It's more of like stopping inside run where, you know, inside run, they can just go for four yards pop basically. Yep. 
Um, yeah, I really just wanted to bring that up so you could pour some more salt on the. <laughs> I will hurt over that loss forever. I promise you. I was work. I was. I was working for Bleacher Report at the time, and I think it it was after the haha interception where Julius again on his birthday told haha to go down instead of keep returning that ball. Um, and I started writing the gamer up. I, I thought it was done, and then I had to delete it all and just pain, Ugh. pain. <laughs> <laughs> just pain all right let's move on you uh you got a note note coming out of this game yeah uh tyler davis outsnapped dominic dafty that's weird it was only a few weeks ago i was asking aloud what is a tyler davis now we all know he's a guy i'm who is still on the kind of wondering who he is <laughs> i mean he caught that one uh baltimore ran that blitz blitz look and they threw it to him over the middle for that big gainer. Yeah. Um, but outside of that, I mean, I'm still kind of confused what a Tyler Davis is because he didn't have a lot of film coming out of college. Yeah. Uh, he, he played at UConn and then he, he transferred to Georgia Tech when Georgia Tech was, was switching out of, you know, that first year switch from being a triple option team to being kind of like a modern spread team that they're trying to do right now. So he was kind of in that transition year. He never had like 300 yards receiving at the college level. There's a very good chance, you know, between, the next two weeks, Tyler Davis is going to have more production in his in this year in, at the NFL level than he ever did at UConn or Georgia Tech, which is crazy to think about. So I, I think we're still kind of learning who this guy is because it's not like there's a ton of tape of him catching the ball. Yeah, I'm going to. Um, so Dominic Daphne is, is uh, he's my guy. I drafted him as my guy. I think through the sort of transitive property, maybe I'm not using that term correctly, but I'm going to adopt Tyler Davis as my guy since. Nobody knew who he was, and he's kind of like, in a weird way, leapfrogged, I think, Dominic Daphne, maybe for injury reasons, maybe for, maybe they just yeah, like da- him. Daphne had an ankle, and he was questionable for the game. Yeah. They played him more on, spe- I think he got three offensive reps, five special teams reps, but Davis, for the most part, had been, you know, the last guy in terms of the active tight ends. Yeah. Um, he played, he plays a ton of special teams, but this was like the first week they really started to use him as a tight end. Yeah, so if the, the Matt LaFleur offense has a number of very different tight end roles. What is the tight end role that he fills? Do we not even know? I I don't know. I mean, like I said, he caught that ball over the middle, so it looks like he can catch the ball a little bit. Um, it sure, sure seems like they use him more of a as a pass catcher than they use like Lewis or Daphne. Yeah. Um, but I don't think they don't use him in the run game like they use Deguara. They don't split him out like they use Tanyan. So he's just like kind of a guy yeah but like catches the ball which is kind of interesting because so many of these guys they're, they're so well defined right Deguara, he's off the ball he's going to move across the formation block across the formation tanyan he's essentially a wide receiver lewis he's essentially a unbalanced right tackle and then daphne is kind of like a little bit of Deguara, a little bit of lewis and i think davis is kind of his own thing yeah um plus he plays special teams so i don't i don't know but He's going to come up big on like some third down. Yeah, I'm sure. You know, he's like he's like, it's like a little bit of Mercedes Lewis in terms of being the guy that you don't think you need to cover. And then it just ends up biting you in the butt at some point. And the weirdest thing is they use him a lot on uh, like drive starters. So drive starters like P and 10 possession and 10 where they get him his reps like they have plays for him. Um I don't know if that's a thing where it's like he doesn't know the whole playbook. So, yeah. like, they're trying to get him in to keep, mm. you know, guys' legs fresh. And so they got to do it early in a down when or early in a drive when, like, situational football isn't a factor. But they're running plays for him, man. And 
he's he's going to be here. Like they picked him up off of the practice squad. I didn't think that he was really going to stick on the team long term, honestly, because there were a couple injuries or something that were happening at that time. So I thought, you know, once these guys get healthy, Tyler Davis is probably going to get cut. There's no reason why, you know, you really need five tight ends. But then, you know, Tanyan goes down. Daphne's been banged up recently. Now Mercedes Lewis is on the COVID reserve list. So like Davis is now like potentially tight end two on this team for yeah. this upcoming game. Stick around for long enough on uh, special teams. And as long as you can show that if, you, if you've got hands, then later in the season, they're going to get you. <laughs> they're going to get you in there and use you. So Tyler Davis, a name we can no longer say what is a Tyler Davis because we, we know. Well, no, maybe we we. We don't know exactly what he is, but we know he's a Packer. We know he's a tight end. We know he can catch some balls. It's a it's a name you should now be familiar with. Let's do a, um, some some listener note nugs, and then we'll we'll kick it to a break. Um, I got two note nugs here. Again, uh, at the Unpack Pot on Twitter, tweet at us after every game. This one coming in from Ryan saying, um, third quarter offensive play calling was done by 2016 Mike McCarthy." <laughs> I uh, I was listening to the. Um, to the Tom Silverstein uh, podcast recap of the game. And he didn't seem to think that it was necessarily conservative play calling in the third quarter, just that it, it wasn't working. They were kind of out of sync. I don't know. Do you, where, where do you fall on that? Did you think they were playing it too conservative in the third quarter? I mean, they only ended up getting, I think three points in the whole second half. I don't know. I mean, you have a lead and you're trying to get out of that game. I don't, I don't know if their offense I understand thinking it's conservative. Whenever you're not throwing the ball and scoring points, people are going to say it's conservative just because we know throwing the ball equals points, yeah. right? Um, but in the grand scheme of things, in terms of like setting all this stuff up, and Rodgers had been banged up a couple of times. You should also remember, you know, th- there were times when Ben Braden was coming into the game, who was their, their fifth tackle. So I, I kind of get it. Like some of the things didn't make sense to me. Like when they ran the pin and pull, on third and one, and Ben Braden had come off the bench. So you're having your your fifth string le- uh, left tackle basically come into the game, and you're running right behind him on a short yardage situation on the edge into the boundary on third down um, when Miles Garrett is out there. <laughs> Look, that was a little bold of a call for me, right? Like that specific situation, that was a little too much. But outside of that, there were opportunities. Guys just didn't come down with the ball. Yeah. Um, we talked about it on the re- the repack pod, but Devontae Adams had shots to score touchdowns. The rare drop. The first yeah. drive of the game this week and last week. Yeah. And it's not like you'd rather have anyone else throw the ball or anyone else get targeted with the ball, right? So at some point, like, the process is there, you know? Things, things just aren't breaking right. And yeah. if things aren't breaking right and you still, you know, get two wins back-to-back, I mean, that's about as good as it's going to come when you, you hit, you know, quote-unquote, like, rock bottom. Yeah. And quickly to clarify, Ryan, uh, when he tweeted and didn't say conservative, he said McCarthy. I'm just assuming by McCarthy you meant conservative, Ryan. So if that's not the case, get get at me again on Twitter and and clarify. Just I'm 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 taking the ball and running with it there. John Kuhn up the middle. All right, one more, <laughs> one more uh, note nug, and then we'll throw it to break. PJ tweets in. I may need to hold off on my apology to Joe Barry after that second half. So we had. It was a, a little bit of a rough start this season for the defense. Then everyone's singing Barry's praises. The last couple of weeks um, have been a little rougher. Is it, are people figuring out this defense? Is the defense not that good? Is it just COVID and the roster? What is, what is going on here? 
I mean, there are not that many guys out right now who weren't on the team when they were looking good. Yeah. You know, Um, I I think the biggest thing is the type of offenses that they're seeing. And I think that comes back to a point I made like early in the season. Like you kind of got to divorce some of these defenses, like the defenses they're running when they're playing Washington, Arizona, Kansas City are very different than when they're playing, you know, Chicago, Pittsburgh, um, Detroit, New Orleans, Cleveland. Um, if you're using multiple tight ends, that changes a lot of what Green Bay is going to do, especially if those tight ends are actual tight ends and not just, you know, Travis Kelsey or insert wide receiver uh, who's playing tight end for Washington right. or Zach Ertz, you know, guys who are functionally wide receivers yeah. playing tight end. Yeah. So they're really good against the spread stuff. It's the like under center stuff that they kind of struggle with and they can't just get their defense off of the field. And it, I, I talked about this on the unpack or the repack pod too. It, to a certain extent, it's one hand washes the other, right? Is the defensive line tired because they can't get off of the field or are they can't get off of the field because they're tired. And that becomes an even more extreme problem when only three outside linebackers on your entire roster, including the practice squad are healthy right now. Yeah. So defensively, like they had Kenny Clark play, I think it was 60, 68 snaps at nose tackle fresh off of the reserve COVID list. Like yeah. he hadn't been practicing at all. Um, we still don't know what's happening with Kiki or uh, Kings of Kiki. Um, Aaron Neglidge said that he would finally ask uh, the staff about that on Wednesday. So we finally, you know, kind of get some answers there on why he was a healthy scratch because he certainly was playing a whole lot more snaps than Lancaster and Slayton, you know, even though he'd been banged up throughout the year. So I, I think some of it is just line of scrimmage depth and it's not something you can blame them on. Like Zadarius Smith went out, Whitney Merciless is out, Chauncey Rivers, Randy Ramsey, Tipa Galea now, um, Ladarius Hamilton is on the practice squad and is on COVID reserve now. So there's only so much you can do. You, you don't really plan for six outside linebackers are out, yeah. um, but they got to get more out of that pass rush. And I thought one of the answers potentially could have been, you know, use Devondre Campbell and Oren Brooks on the field at the same time and use them as blitzers more because I think Campbell is big enough that he can cause a lot of problems. Um, we've seen him hold the point of attack against centers on the line of scrimmage before. And then obviously Oren Brooks has the speed of an SEC safety, which he used to be that he could blitz from depth. Um, but now Burks is on the reserve COVID list. So it doesn't seem like he's probably going to be playing this week. So I don't know, man. They have they have a few things that they could do on the roster. Yeah. But to a certain extent, it's December 28th. And there's only so many more moves you can make. Yeah. COVID, man. I mean, <laughs> just like. Hopefully Z can get healthy, man. Z, Z. Yeah. I know. I know there's all these people. Everyone wants to talk about Bakhtiari. Um, everyone wants to talk about Jair. I really do think Zedarius would make the biggest difference in terms of guys coming back. Just need more and, pressure on the quarterback, man. Yeah. And the, the problem is it seems like Z is the one who's the furthest out. Yeah. You know, Z is the one who hasn't practiced. This yeah. Time, so back injuries um, or whatever, whatever is happening. <laughs> Z. I mean, he hasn't talked to the press yeah. throughout the, the whole year, the whole weird. summer, everything. Man, so what a weird, hard season. to know. All right. We are going to take a quick break. And when we come back, we're going to hit, News and haikus. Vacations can be tricky. You already know how to book flights and hotels, but now the only thing you're missing is, you know, the actual travel experience. Because is it really a vacation if you're just sitting around like you would at home? You need a tool to get the most out of your time away. That's where Viator steps in. 
you can book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. All right, we are back and I'm going to hit the magic button and just usher us right into the spa. We can hit some haikus. Talking about... COVID, Zedarius and his back injury or whatever's happening, and let's just shake off the bad vibes, walk through the beady curtain. Although my haiku's not actually very positive. <laughs> All right, here we go. Mind behind the mind? Jacksonville has nice weather. Nathaniel Hackett. The Jaguars have uh, apparently asked permission to interview Nathaniel Hackett for their head coaching vacancy, Justice, I, I admit to, um, I saw this headline today. I haven't followed up on it. So I don't know if this is a, a thing where the Packers can deny that that request. Um, but Nathaniel Hackett, um, what are the odds he goes? Uh, he was with he was with Jacksonville before, right? What are the odds he he gets this job? Yeah, he seems like a pretty coveted coach. So the background on Hackett is he was Doug Marone guy. So he was with Doug. Um, in Buffalo, at Syracuse, when he was at Syracuse, and then at Jacksonville. So he's there, you know, all three stops with him. Um, he offensive coordinator, quarterbacks coach, you know, different different positions, you know, at, at all three stops. He was there from 2015 to 2018, was the offensive coordinator of that AFC championship game, uh, Jacksonville Jaguars team, where they, you know, tricked themselves into thinking Blake Bortles was a good quarterback, basically. Oops. So th there is some history there, at least in terms of, being in that building, being with the cons who's still on that team. Um, it'll be interesting because I don't know if uh, Packers fans are aware of the general manager, Trent Balky, who's there in Jacksonville right now. Balky has somehow survived two coaching staffs in Jacksonville and is now picking yeah. a third, essentially. Um, Balky was the guy who ran out Jim Harbaugh, basically, with the San Francisco 49ers. So he's not been tabbed as like the easiest guy to work with. Often, uh, been accused of being a little bit of a politician so one would think that like the moment you step into that jaguars office you know it's political battle immediately and you have to win over you know the ear of of the cons uh instead of you know having bulky there bulky also you know been, been accused of uh leaking some of this stuff about urban meyer recently so i don't know it'll be interesting um hackett certainly has kind of like the resume to kind of do it it seems like you know, Hackett, even though he's not really like the offensive play caller that you would think, um, isn't going to have to take that LaFleur type of step because LaFleur seems to be very collaborative. Um, you know, McVay took a lot of the credit when he was there in Los Angeles in terms of like being a play caller. LaFleur had to leave, then go kind of prove his chops at Tennessee before he started getting, you know, head coaching calls. Um, Rogers even today noted how different uh, the splits are situationally in terms of like not play calling, but like game planning and like diagramming plays up. So he said, Getsy, their quarterback coach, 
uh, essentially calls third downs. Steno and Buckus, the offensive line coaches, are like the run game. Hackett calls the gold zone, which is like what they call the red zone. Rabel, the wide receivers coach, does two-minute. And then Outen, the tight ends coach, and Sermons, the running backs coach, do a lot of the short yardage and goal line stuff. So it seems like a very collaborative room. And you would think because of that, a lot of these guys are going to get opportunities to be, you know, head coaches who are play callers or get play calling opportunities. Like I think, you know, Stenovich is going to be a guy, the offensive line coach, who's probably going to get an offensive line call or an offensive coordinating call at some point this season. So. Yeah, I th- I, Hackett can't be denied an opportunity to interview this job by the Green Bay yeah. Packers because he's a head coach. The Packers can deny uh, coordinator or positional jobs, but because he's getting interviewed for a head coaching job, they can't deny that request. This is also the first year that that uh, in the NFL, they're going to be able to interview j- coaches who are like currently working on the job. That's a new change. Um, just because recently you've had things like, you know, coaches who are in the playoffs can't get interviewed. So these teams are end up hiring coaches who are not on playoff teams, right? That, that was one reason Greg Bay was able to hire LeFleur so easy into the to, to uh, uh, the process was because LeFleur's team wasn't in the playoffs. Whereas you look at like Dan Quinn's uh, Falcons team, like Shanahan, Kyle Shanahan was hired off of that team like the week of the Super Bowl, I think, right? Yeah. So hopefully at the very least, you know, the Jaguars, are interviewing uh, eight guys right now. So maybe this is a situation where Hackett, you know, takes the interview, is worked throughout the process, and, you know, by playoff time, they've already whittled him out of kind of the conversation. I, I will say yeah. Hackett is a guy who at some point is going to get an NFL head coaching job, uh, just the way that yeah. people speak of him. The other thing to keep in mind, there's only so many jobs open right now in the NFL. Right. It seems like, yeah. you know, Chicago, all these other teams, uh, even Houston, if you look at the local reporting, they think that, you know, their head coach is going to be kind of one and done there. So there's going to be some jobs that open up. Um, I, I wouldn't worry about it too much. I would think that Luke Getze, the quarterback's coach, is probably going to be the next offense coordinator for the Green Bay Packers. And, you know, if Steno does take an offense coordinator job somewhere else, uh, Butkus is a guy that everyone, at least in the pressers, seems to talk well of and, you know, is probably going to step up into that offensive line role. So, they have guys to replace guys. Um, I wouldn't worry about it too much from a Packers perspective. Guys are just, yeah. you do good, you're going to get jobs if you go to three, you know, NFC championship games or something in a row. That's how it works. Um, that's really interesting. I hadn't heard that about sort of the the splits on the situational play calling. That makes so much sense to me as opposed to asking one person, a play caller or a head coach to kind of hold all that knowledge. Well, especially their, when the offensive head. play caller is a head coach. I mean, those are two yeah. totally different jobs. And it's yeah. it's very hard to do that unless you are like full-blown natural, you know? And yeah. LaFleur's only done this since he was at Tennessee, right? Yeah. I mean, he wasn't doing that in Los Angeles. So I, I think the kind of the Shanahan McVay type of thing where it's like this guy is just like ironclad play caller and the head coach. Like it's, you got to be a natural. And there's only so many guys who can do that. So the fact that yeah. LaFleur kind of notices like, hey, I need to spread my time out a little bit. I can't be involved in the game planning for every situation. I, That's a good sign. And the fact that, you know, his coaches are stepping up is also a good sign. I remember in the preseason, he was tossing the keys to a lot of these guys too to call plays. Yeah. I remember like Outen was getting play calling duties and you're like, what? The tight ends coach? Why? Like that's not, not to say, you know, he's not qualified or anything, but like that's not usually something you see in the NFL. So 
I think it's very collaborative is the way that I would describe this coaching staff offensively. Yeah. Very interesting. Do you, uh, did you write some poetry for us? I did. It, it also <laughs> isn't positive. <laughs> well, that's what the music's for to kind of like, you know, even if we skew negative, we can at least close our eyes and relax for a little bit. <laughs> Only three rushers. Jonathan Garvin, save us. Time for Vic Beasley? Oh, man. There's only so many free agents. Yeah. Um, Yeah, who's so... (laughs) You you teased it a little bit earlier. We were talking about pass rushers, but you said six six guys on the the COVID list and or just injured? Yep. As of right now, depending on what you call Randy Ramsey, Randy Ramsey was getting inside-outside linebacker looks. Um, Yeah. The other thing, too, is Peter Columbi. Uh, was just signed to the practice squad. He's more of like a special teams guy for sure. Yeah. Um, he came into the league as an outside linebacker and then he got moved to inside linebacker. He kind of does a little bit of both. He came out of Stanford, played for Houston. So he's a guy who could potentially move up and be called up if all of these guys are sick. You know, you would think that a guy who's been on the practice squad for two weeks is probably better of a call up than someone who's been there for two days, which is probably yeah. what they're looking at if they add an extra body. So, that's the situation right now. So, yeah, uh, depending on how you count it, they have three or three and a half outside linebackers, and they're out five or five or six or five and a half outside linebackers. Not great. No. What a, no. <laughs> the guy went to Stanford, though, so you know he's smart, right? Oh, smart of course. That's smart guy. Oh, the Stanford guys <laughs> love to tell you about it. Stanford football is a cult. I'm telling you. I, I know enough of these Stanford football guys. It's a cult. I didn't even... Uh... I didn't even look yet. Uh, is it the Vikings? The Packers have the Vikings next? Yep, sure do. And somehow Kirk Cousins, unvaccinated, is like got the strongest immune system in the world. He's the only guy in the NFL who somehow hasn't been placed on this COVID reserve list. It's all that plexiglass, man. I, it must be. So, it's got to so, be something. So, so got to be something. Plexiglass. It's just that um, no one wants to go near him because he's just <laughs> like such a weird dude. <laughs> No, and no he's one just him. so unliked in the locker room that like no one goes near him. Social distancing, not a problem for him. Everyone's like, oh, good. Me, me, here comes Kurt. Let me walk the other way. Like uh, this jerk. I don't know. Or it's not even like a jerk. It's like a Russell Wilson thing where it's just like this dude is just I just don't I don't want to be friends with this person. Yeah. <laughs> Russell Wilson, who I don't know if you've seen it uh, online, but. Cam Chancellor is like trying to talk to ownership right now through social media and is like, we need to have a come to Jesus moment. We got to talk about Russell Wilson. So like get him off our team. I don't know, man. You hear some of the things about, you know, how the Legion of Boom felt about him. And, you know, they thought, you know, they deserve more credit than he did. And I don't know, man. It seems like, look, whoever goes broke first out of those Legion of Boom guys is going to write a hell of a book about that whole era of Seahawks football. Yeah. Indeed. Whoa, John Madden died. What? Yeah. Crazy. I'm going to hit the breaking news sounder. Not to make light of the situation. They just ran the uh, Madden documentary on Christmas. They just ran it, yeah. Oh, man. Dang, what a legend. Um, Everyone says he's a great guy. And you know what he got to do? He retired early 
and just traveled the world and called football games. Yep. What a great life. Yep. On a bus, no less. Man after my own heart. I hate flying. I get it. I hate being cramped. That's my, I'm not scared of flights. I just really don't like being cramped into a plane for multiple hours. What's your, uh, I forget how old you are, but you have, do you, do you remember Madden calling games? Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah, yeah for sure. I like one of my, I mean, I'm sure a lot of Packers fans have the same uh, memory, but like formative years, that Brett Favre, Oakland Raiders game, right? Yep. John Madden calling it. Yep. I mean, just like you would think, like, I remember watching that and being like, Brett Favre is like God. Like he, he is, he is divine in some sort sort of way. I feel like on Twitter, a lot of people complain about Packers fans and it's just like, I think it's a bit much, but I think there is a case to be made by fans of other teams um, being annoyed about the Packers in that era because John Madden loved Brett Favre so much. And it was so clear when he was calling, calling games as a fan, it was always really fun. Always really fun to watch. Um, One thing I want to bring up with Madden, um, really important guy in terms of being able to spread the game um, through his video games. And I know a lot of people are saying, you know, I'm sure people always think uh, more fondly of things in the past where they're like, ah, Madden isn't as good now as it used to be. Um, One thing I would advise like everyone listening to this to do, um, go listen to the 30 for 30 podcast. Um, there's one about John Madden and John Madden football. Um, he really tried and pushed very hard to get, you know, 11 on 11 football in a video game form when that was very difficult to do yeah. as sort of like a simulation to kind of help people think like a football coach. Yeah. Like that, that was kind of his whole purpose for that. And if he didn't push for that, I mean, I don't know if you get, you know, a McVay, a Shanahan, these guys who talk about like, yeah, we were drawing up plays, making custom playbooks, all this stuff, you know, when we were kids and, you know, basically applied those practices into the NFL now. So, yeah, he certainly has changed the the game for sure. So, yep. I have a friend who is a uh, who's a, a coder and he talks about making video games. Like if you knew everything that went into making a video game, it's like a miracle that any game ever gets made and is ever like complete and released to the public because it is so hard it is so complex and it was just as hard as and complex back then and yeah madden sticking to his principles was like no it's got to be real football or i'm not putting my name on it yeah i mean like i said he changed it he brought more people into the game um just even beyond you know him coaching winning these rings you know having one of the highest win percentages of any coach and uh, not even beyond that, right? Calling games. I mean, he was in your living room so yep. many times. So, yep. what a legend! What a great life. Um, rest in power. Yep. R.I.P. Madden. Um, also, uh, Ben Foldy chiming in on my uh, text thread with the uh, with the the pod crew. R.I.P. Madden. <laughs> Just wanted to make sure we had the uh, the breaking news there. Um, kind of, kind of feel like that's a good spot to end it i i I did want to get your take on on one more thing before we uh before we go Um, i'm sure you're aware of this point of alex patakis's fever dream of uh, a potential playoff matchup between a visiting mike mccarthy led dallas cowboys team into uh lambeau field to face aaron Rodgers and the green bay packers it it here come the cowboys man in terms of the playoff standing they're really turning it on late in the year it feels like it's becoming 
likelier and likelier. What do you? What's your? I don't want. I don't. I don't need a line from you. But how likely do you think this is? I mean, it's got to be like at least a third of the time yeah. they meet up, right? Um, I'm not that worried about this Cowboys team. I know they have a lot of skilled players. Yeah, uh, their offensive line is touch and go um, between you know the health of them and then you know the quarterback situation and the backfield is kind of the same way uh, entirely between Zeke and Dak too. Their defense, they definitely have aliens out there, but there's definitely you know weaknesses. Like I think. You know, Diggs certainly has ball skills, but if he's matched up against Devontae all day, like there's going to be some opportunities for Devontae there too. So I'm still more worried by Tampa. Um, yeah. I'm worried a little bit by the Eagles, just the way that they kind of match up uh, the Saints, the way that that defensive line can just kind of cave in a game. Um, less now because of their quarterback situation, obviously. It's kind of the same thing with San Francisco. I was a whole lot more worried about San Francisco before Jimmy got hurt, but. I would rank, you know, in terms of being worried about teams coming into Lambeau and beating them. Tampa is one. Yeah. And then I have to think real hard about the Rams and Dallas, but there's certainly a team below or tier below. Yeah. Yeah. That's a good call on the Eagles too. I feel like sneaky team, man. Sneaky team. People are sleeping on them. They're getting, they're getting better. They just, I don't know. They use tight ends. I could see it being like, it's Goddard, and then it's like Devonta Smith makes one big play that switches the defense, yep. and then Jalen Hurts just running around. Yeah, that that's the nightmare situation for yep. Green Bay. Mobile quarterback, they're committed to the run. He's clearly a smart dude. He's got talent, and they're they're played in on. big games before. Yeah, I mean, he, he's played in lot. He's played in louder situations than on the road for a playoff game in Lambeau. And there's not very many quarterbacks who can say that, right? Yep. Indeed. All right, uh, I think that's it. I'm just gonna I'm gonna press this little button here that makes the polka music play. What did you call this? Uh, is this uh, white people mariachi music? <laughs> I yeah, I did. I respect uh, I respect the accordion. They were playing it during the Christmas game, and I was kind of getting down with it, man. Yeah, I'm in uh, New Mexico. There's a lot of um, there's a lot of like uh, not just Tejano, but other like. There's like a lot of Mexican American radio yeah. here. Like I would say a third of the radio stations, and so there, and there's a lot of, I don't know the names, so I, I don't want to speak too much on it. But what I think sounds like some kind of traditional Mexican music that is basically polka. It's like very very similar in the rhythm. It's got an accordion. It's probably like banda. We get you listening to Tucanas de Tijuana. We get you listening to all that stuff. Send me the link, man. I'm into it. <laughs> all right. <laughs> Look up Puerta Negra. Look up Puerta Negra on YouTube. <laughs> Justice on short notice. Thank you, man, for hopping on and making us uh, making us smarter here. Ben from text message says RIP Madden sends his regards to the listeners. Alex is on a road trip right now, so um, that's it. I hope everyone had a uh, a, a happy holidays. Um, if you are off this week, I hope you get some rest, enjoy yourself, and um, enjoy the football, as we say. Someone's going to suit up for the Packers on Sunday. We don't know who it is, but Tyler Davis. (laughs) Tyler Davis. That's right. Coming for you. All right, guys. Peace. Peace.